Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is Central Texas Living with Ann Harder. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining me. We are emerging from the winter season, and that's good news, but that's not all that's emerging. Snakes are coming out, and uh, the annual Oglesby Rattlesnake Roundup is coming up. It is a delight to visit with our very own Texas snake man, Jackie Bibby. Hey, man, it is great to see you again. Thank you, ma'am. It's always a pleasure to visit with y'all prior to us doing the big show down there every year. So thank you so much for having me today. Well, it's a little different. We, uh, I would have you a couple of times. I had you on Central Texas Living, the television show, when that was uh, still on the air. It was so much fun because you brought boxes of snakes. We, we, did. Had, we had a great time. <laughs> oh, man. I remember Diablo. Is Diablo still with us, the white rattler? You still no, have- he, passed, he passed, and I actually have had a walking cane made out of him. Did you really? I did, oh yeah. uh, Here's my walking stick, which is made out of the white rattlesnake. It's got some other snake stuff to it, too, but this is the white rattlesnake. Oh, my goodness. The walking stick. So his, his name was Diablo Blanco. Yes, he was. He came on the show two times. I, there was one of my colleagues who left the building when you came. There are people who are so phobic about snakes. Uh, I mean, I don't particularly like touching them or holding them, but let's talk about you and your vast career as a snake handler. How in the world did you get started with this? 53 years ago, About this time of year, I went to Brownwood, Texas, and entered a rattlesnake sack and championship. And why was that? Why would you do that? Oh, I've always been a thrill seeker and and a daredevil. So it was that kind of activity. So I got involved, excited to do it. And I was 18 years old and thought I was invincible and untouchable by anything. And the first year I ever entered that contest, I won two trophies. $30 and got my name in the paper. So I had found my hobby at that time. You were hooked. Three years later, I'm still doing it. And it's got me all over the world. 16 trips to Europe, all over the United States, over 200 appearances on television. So it's been an amazing journey. And I've just rode them rattlesnakes as far as I could ride them. (laughs) Well, as some of the pictures on your website, are just remarkable, but and it's it's not fake. Those aren't photoshopped. You're actually holding these snakes. Yeah, and getting in the bathtub with them, uh, <laughs> getting in the sleeping bags with them. Ooh, I don't know. You may not have seen it, but a lot of people saw the Go Big Show the first year they had it. They're in the second season now, but in the first season of the Go Big Show, Snoop Dogg, Jennifer Nettles, and some of those people, uh, Cody Rhodes 
we were in Macon, Georgia for a little over a month filming there and I made it to the finals. I didn't win the $100,000, but I made it to the finals and I got in a sleeping bag head first with a bunch of rattlesnakes and <laughs> put rattlesnakes in my mouth and spider on my head. And Snoop Dogg was just tripping. He just had a great time with us doing that in Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's activity. It, it's it's hard for some of us to get our our heads wrapped around, but but truly, it is a service. So let's talk about why it's important for people like you to be able to, you know, not just immediately kill the snake, which is you know our general impulse. You know, kill it. You know. Of course, and I'm not averse to killing a snake if it's anywhere where it might endanger someone's life right. or your livestock or your pets or anything like that. But it's better, in my case, to call me and let me relocate the snake or let me use it for educational purposes. And we do kill snakes, and some people get upset about that, but we eat them. We eat the meat, and we make products out of the skin, and you know we use the entire animal, So, and we're never cruel to an animal. We only have, if we have to butcher it, just like you have to butcher a cow, you have to kill it, but we do it as humanely as we possibly can. I've been accused many, many times of being cruel to animals, and that's absolutely not true because I'm an animal lover. I would never, ever be cruel to an animal. But uh, there's very few rattlesnake roundups left. The rattlesnake roundups originated back in the late 20s when they were trying to get the snakes away from the ranchers and the oil field workers that were out there where they were at a lot. And so they had these rattlesnake roundups and people brought them in and they gave some very small prizes. Back when I first started turning in rattlesnakes at rattlesnake roundups, they were bringing 20 cents a pound. Now they're up around $5 a pound. And we've seen them as high as nine and $10 a pound. So, you know, like anything else, rattlesnakes have a market value just like a pork belly for bacon does. So, uh, but why we do what we do at the roundups is for entertainment, but also for education, because we like to teach people what to do if they're out on a hike or going to their favorite fishing hole, they encounter some rattlesnakes, we give them options of what to do and how to do it where they lessen the probability of them receiving a very dangerous venomous bite. Yeah, well, that that is really important. That aspect of your work is education. And uh, you take these snakes, the ones that you have. How many do you have personally that you use in your talks? That varies dramatically from zero to 2,000. So <laughs> right now I don't have hardly any. But we start next week. We'll start gathering them up and getting ready to come down to Oglesby. So we'll probably have several hundred at Oglesby at least. All right, so let's let's talk about the Oglesby Roundup itself. It's going to be the 26th and 27th of February. It, is it usually this particular weekend, like every year kind of a thing? Yeah, it's every, week, every year at the third, uh, last weekend of the month. Last this week. is the 52nd annual Oglesby Roundup. I, they've been doing it a long time, and it, it is the Lions Club. It's a Lions Club sponsored event they've been doing it a long time as you say so what does the spectator expect to see when they come well we're going to do some educational stuff talk to them a little bit about how to treat first aid on a snake bite if they should have one occur and then we're going to start doing a little bit about safety as to how to get out of them if you walk into a group of them but then we're going to do some stuff like daredevil stunts we'll sit down and put them in our lap and on our heads or 
we'll get in a sleeping bag feet first or head first, or we may get two people in a sleeping bag with 50 rattlesnakes, and I might put snakes in my mouth. That's one of the world records that I hold. And we'll just do some stuff showing people we can push the envelope, press the limit, and people are entertained by that because, of course, just like at a stock car race, everybody comes to see if they're going to crash. They come to see if we're going to get bit. Okay. Occasionally, we do. Occasionally, that does happen. Show everybody your hands. Yeah, my hands oh. are pretty deformed, pretty messed up. My thumb's kind of messed up. That's from two of the 12 bites that I've received. In 53 years of snake handling, I'll receive 12 serious envenomations. So. Hey, I'm April. Hey, I'm Caroline, and this is Bloody Happy Hour. Your newest true crime comedy podcast. So grab your favorite drink and join us every week for Thirsty Thursday. We promise to tell you the bloodiest stories and give you a laugh in between. Go find us, follow us, and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. Because guess what? We about to be sipping on some murder. This is Mandy and the F-Bomb, where we shed light on stories and invite you to find your place and purpose in the world of foster care. Through my involvement with families involved in foster care and being a foster mom myself, I've learned that it's the things that wreck us the most profoundly that can stitch us back together into the best purpose-filled versions of ourselves. Tune in to Mandy and the F-Bomb. It's stories that invite you in to find your place and purpose in the world of foster care. You can find us anywhere you get podcasts or at roguemedianetwork.com. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Tell them the story about about the boot when that was a really really serious bite that you had when the one was in your boot, right? Well, I didn't get bit by the one in my boot. That was down at Oglesby three or four years ago. But I wagged that snake all over town back in Waco before we went to the motel room. Because I have a prosthetic leg, I couldn't feel it. So after I unzipped my boot to take it off, there was a rattlesnake in my boot. We were in a motel room, and Dougie, my roommate, had already had, he had short britches on. He was barefooted. By then, I had my leg on, so I was one-legged. And we didn't even have a box or a pin or anything else. Some people down the aisle from us, everybody, all the other snake handlers had gone to eat. And so it was just us two there, and we wound up putting the snake in a beer box to hold it till somebody came back with some tools to catch it with. <laughs> well, and the, the reason you have a prosthetic I leg. I to buy it at the uh, Arkansas State Fairground. No, this no, this bite was in Dallas. The Arkansas State Fairgrounds was this one on my hand. This one is in Dallas. I was doing a show for uh, a motivational show for an electric company. And had about 300 people in a big hotel meeting room. And we had several hundred snakes there. And a big, huge snake, about a six-footer, bit above my boot and got me in the calf of my leg. And so they took me to Parkland almost immediately. But three days later, they had to amputate my leg. It started out below the knee, but we had 10 different operations. Finally wound up above my knee before they could ever find flesh that would hold. And so most people would have had enough sense to just quit, but I bought a leg and kept on doing it. So I got a score-bought leg and a God-given leg. <laughs>
Oh, Jackie, you are you are amazing. Well, you know, and another aspect of rounding up these snakes is also for the anti-venom, right? Let's talk a little bit about there that. There are still a very few people who are collecting venom, but there are some. I actually spoke this morning with Bobby Stevens, a guy out of Ranger, Texas, who collects venom for research and for medicine. The big guy, the venom gypsy that's out of uh, Georgia, no, Alabama. He's out of Alabama. He collected rattlesnake venom at the Rattlesnake Roundhouse for many, many years, but he's kind of long in the tooth now, about my age. So he's slowed way down and he doesn't collect very much anymore because he's got so much venom on hand. But like the Crofab people that make the antivenine, they actually keep a lot of their own snakes. I don't really know how many they buy from outside sources, but they keep a lot of their own snakes and milk them themselves to have access to the venom to make the anti-venine. Oh, that's interesting. The rattlesnake venom is used a lot in, in making medications. Blood mm -hmm. pressure medicine, much of the blood pressure medicine is a derivative of rattlesnake venom. I wonder how many people knew that. <laughs> I would not have known it were it not for the venom gypsy telling me about it. <laughs> that, that that is fascinating well now you talked a little bit about your educational um, aspect of, of telling folks what to do so let's get into that we have a little bit of time here say say you're on a hike and of course the thing about snakes is they're very good at disguising and camouflaging themselves in the leaves and so forth uh, but when you hear that distinctive rattle what's the first thing you need to think about doing Rattlesnakes are bite for two reasons, food and fear. We're not a food item. They're not ever going to bite us to eat us. So the only reason they'll ever bite us is because they're fearful of us. So we're a big, loud object coming through the woods. So we're jumping and hipping and hopping and moving around. It's going to scare them. They're going to strike at us. If you get real still and you can find that snake, and they are very hard to see. They blend in so effectively with their surroundings that they're almost invisible. So you hear that sound, you look around and find that snake, identify where he's at, then you look around some more because you need to find a clear avenue of escape. Certain times of the year, these snakes are concentrated. They're either going in or coming out of the dens. They're going to stay in that area for several days before they scatter. And when they do, you might be in an area where there's 50 rattlesnakes in 50 yards. And so you may walk into a pile of them before you ever hear anything rattle. And then when you do, you got to start looking around and then you move very slowly, cautiously away from where the snakes are at. And if you move slow, they'll never bite at you because you didn't scare them. If you step on them, they're going to strike. You know, if you get too close to them, they're going to strike. But if you can see them, they can only strike about half their body length. And the further out they go, the lower they go. So if you've got any kind of cowboy boots on, you probably got all the protection you would need. And just, and they can't penetrate a boot. They can't bite through leather. The fangs are very sharp, but they're very brittle. So they can't penetrate anything that's very hard. But if you just move very slowly and cautiously away from them, they'd rather leave you alone than bite you. Yeah, that's that's great advice. But they were so quick. They're quick on the, on the strike. But you say they only can go half their... Just about half. If they're up against a log or a rock, they might go three-fourths of their body length because they're braced against something. But out in the open, about half their body length is about as far as they can go. Now, you talk about vast numbers. 
of of snakes. Of course, this time of year in the in the winter, there are they kind of hibernating or. I'm not trying to be a smart aleck, but I'm trying to be technically correct. Rattlesnakes don't hibernate, they brumate. Brumate is a slightly different thing than hibernation. A bear hibernates. A rattlesnake brumates. He gets into that den, brumates. He gets down into that den down in the the ground because that's insulation. Because he does not have the capacity to regulate his body temperature. So he's going to be the temperature around him. So when he gets down in there and they all coil up together in a pile, then they'll get real still. They don't go to sleep, but they just get real still and they slow their metabolism down to the point where they don't need food, no water or anything else until next season. It's called brumation. Interesting. And so so they come out getting to be this time of year after, after winter is done. Uh, you say they kind of stay close to that den area. And then they scatter out. How, how far will a, a snake go, I guess? somehow Generally only about two miles. Two the, miles. The, about the absolute maximum distance one would go would be five miles from the den. But generally two miles from that den. They'll use the same den year after year. We've worked dens for 20 years. And you get all the snakes that are there and come back next year and there's more snakes. So uh, we don't get them all. <laughs> we think we do. So so you you do, you do have a, a method. You have a system. You know where to go to, to find these snakes. Now, in a, in a roundup, do you win prize money for however many snakes? Or do they just pay you per pound? Or how does that work? There are prizes for the longest snake, snake with the most rattlers, uh, and the shortest snake, and the most pounds turned in. Because we buy them by the pound, and they bring five, four to six dollars a pound, and that fluctuates depending on the market, how much they're needing the snakes. And they're big buyers of snakes. Uh, Randall Briggs is a guy out of Paris, Texas. He'll be at Ogilvy this weekend, and he buys snakes year-round and makes products. He makes uh, belts and money clips and bill folds and things like that out of their skin. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I know I've, I've seen it canned and they say it tastes like chicken. Is that true? It tastes true? like what you cook it in. <laughs> Rattlesnake has a very bland taste. It has virtually no taste at all, but you put it in cornmeal, flour, pepper, salt, you uh-huh. spice it up a little bit, and then you cook it. Most people deep fry it like fish. So it's breaded and then you taste the coating. You don't taste the skin. <laughs> you don't taste the, the, it's white flesh. It's very white. It's kind of stringy, you know, it's hard to eat, a lot of bones, but most people eat a rattlesnake to say they ate one. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's it's not really like fish or the consistency. I, I have not tried rattlesnake. I'll have to. If you cook it in butter, it tastes like butter. If you cook it in flour, it tastes like fried flour. You know, okay. cornmeal, most people do a cornmeal flour mix, dip uh-huh. it in egg to make it stick real good, and cook it like fish. That's how most people cook rattlesnakes. At the rattlesnake roundups, they're selling those little chicken McNuggets, about a four-inch piece of a rattlesnake, which has been yeah. deep fried, and most of that's rolled in uh, egg batter, then in uh, cornmeal and flour with a little salt and pepper in it, and deep fat fried. Oh, man, anything deep fat fried is going to be good. <laughs> so so the Oglesby Rattlesnake Roundup is going to be where you can try that. How many hunters will be there? Uh, you know, are, are, are your ranks increasing or are there fewer 
people like you who who go out and We're round these guys up. Almost completely extinct. There's very few rattlesnake roundups left in Texas, and there's very few hunters going out to find the snakes. There'll probably be four to five, six teams that'll turn into snakes if the ogles be round up. When I started in 1969, there were 42 rattlesnake roundups in Texas. There's seven left. Really? So they're pretty much completely gone extinct. Uh, there's quite a bit of pressure from individuals who, it's a very not politically correct thing to say, but we call them tree huggers oftentimes, environmentally concerned people I that understand. give us a great deal of grief because they don't like what we do and how we do it, and they're trying to regulate us. And when I started, you could catch many rattlesnakes as you wanted to. You didn't have to have a hunting license or anything else. You could sell them anywhere where you, anybody would buy them. Nowadays, you have to have a license, a hunting license and a non-game permit to even collect them. You got to have that to sell them to the commercial dealer who has to have a commercial license, who reports every snake he buys, sells, whether he kills it, what he does with it. It's a nightmare. <laughs> but yeah. we're still willing to do it. When you're passionate about anything, you'll go to any length to keep it alive. Well, I mean, in a way, it is considered wildlife management, isn't it? I mean, if, if it weren't being done, would we just be overrun by well, snakes? Well, that's a, heat, a heatedly debated topic because yeah. a lot of environmentalists say, yes, we would be, but many of the things that have been studied indicated that it's not necessarily the case either way uh there's areas in texas which are never ever hunted that are prime real estate for rattlesnakes so probably 80 percent of the territory in texas that's habitat for rattlesnakes never has a hunter on it so those rattlesnakes go on like they've gone on for millennia and they're never bothered but there's certain areas where you know People know, okay, I got rattlesnakes on my place. I want to get rid of them every year. So the hunters will come out and, and find the dens. Most of the dens we go to have been found previously by the ranch manager or one of the oil field workers, somebody that's out in that area all the time because they see where the snakes are coming and going from. So they right. can tell us, okay, there's a den here or there's one somewhere up there. And we know to look on a Southern exposure to look up high to some crevice or some hole or a cave. That's generally what they get in. So we kind of know what to expect and what to look for. But most cases, we've kind of been directed to a general area. Well, and that brings me to my next question. I mean, we mentioned taking a hike. I'm, I'm referring to just the average person who might encounter a snake. Are there certain areas you just need to avoid to limit your chance? I think that would be dependent upon where you chose to hike, because I know for from my own experience, there's places where the health sign says beware of rattlesnakes. Yeah. You know, if you're on a hiking trail, uh, you know, as far as knowing where they're going to be, about the time I think I got them figured out, I have it wrong. So I don't know the mind of a rattlesnake. <laughs> I thought I did. Well, you you have something figured out if you stick your feed into a sleeping bag that's got rattlesnakes in it. So so how do you just do that very slowly? Yes, or it... slowly. That, and that's the way I can pick them up. That's why I can put them on top of my head when they're called up, put them on my face and, do, and hold them in my mouth by their tails because I'm holding them gently and I'm not being rough and I'm not 
moving fast and moving slow and easy. And I also have a lot of help. Anytime I'm doing one of those dangerous stunts, whether it's myself or one of my associates, we have a lot of people in there watching for us and taking care of us and looking out because if the snake starts to come up or try to bite you, generally if it tries to strike, you'll see it and you can drop it. But if you like, if I'm doing snakes in my mouth, I've done 13 rattlesnakes in my mouth before. So I have to have somebody on each side watching for heads because one of them heads comes up too high, he could get in my face or bite me in the neck. Yeah, that would not be good. That would not be good. Well, the Oglesby Rattlesnake Roundup, it is an annual event. You say this is the 52nd, 53rd? Yes, 52nd. 52nd. And Oglesby is uh, west of Waco. 20? It's... Uh, McGregor and then the Oglesby turnoff. It's two miles off the highway. And and there there are events, all kinds of events that are happening over the yes, two days. We've got music, food, vendors, uh, the snake show. We've got uh, dealers of all kinds of products. The snake products will be there. The, the reptile vendors will be there with lizards and turtles and snakes and stuff. So it's a family event. You can come out and stay all day long. There's carnivals. There's music. You know, there's tractor rides in the little uh, train behind a long tractor. So there's lots of fun and exciting things to do for every age. Well, Jackie, you you are... We're doing four shows on Saturday and three shows on Sunday. On Saturday, we're doing 10, 12, 2, and 4. And on Sunday, we're doing 12, 2, and 4. So if they want to come during those times, the show's about an hour long. And they can touch a rattlesnake. We let people pet rattlesnakes, but we never suggest they do it on their own. Do oh, it no. in a controlled environment. We'll be holding the head in a secure way so there's no danger of them being bitten. So they get the opportunity to feel a rattlesnake, see what it feels like. Most people are really mistaken about what it's going to feel like. But yeah. all that's part of what we can do to educate individuals and talk to them about, you know, how the animals are and what good they do and and it's, it's exciting and fun for us, and the people seem to enjoy it. Obviously, it's been going on for 52 years in Oglesby. They must still be having a good time. Well, it, it is a fascinating work you do. You are a fascinating guy. You're coming to us from uh, your home in Rising Star. And, and I still do a lot of TV, movies, and YouTube. So if anybody yeah. is the least bit curious about some of the things that I do, please go check out my YouTube, Jackie Bibby Official. Now you see me doing indoor skydiving, driving monster trucks, handling snakes, uh, and I'm just going to go on and on. I'm never going to quit. I'm 71 years old. I have a prosthetic leg, and I can put most of the half people my age under the table doing, doing stunts and being exciting and having a good time. Well, your, your resume is uh, extensive. Uh, scuba diver, rodeo bull riding. Bareback, horseman, skiing, public speaking, military experience, hang gliding, also yes, drug counselor. Doing that. I'm in recovery myself. I'm a recovering drug addict with 53 years clean, uh, 33 years clean. I got confused there because of my snake handling. 33 years clean, and I work in the field with other individuals. Anybody who's struggling with drug, alcohol, which is a drug, or any addictive disorder, I help those individuals find the appropriate treatment facilities, the right treatment program, uh, where to find 12-step recovery groups, where to find halfway houses, recovery houses. I network with all the people in Texas that provide that kind of service. 
And so if somebody needs that kind of help, they're welcome to contact me over the internet. I'm easy to find. I'm, I'm pretty visible. And, and they can talk with me, and I'll be glad to find them the help that they need. Uh, Jackie Bibby, you are doing an amazing work. Our own Texas snake man. It is a delight to get to visit with you again. This is uh, this is really a lot of fun. And uh, don't miss the Oglesby Rattlesnake Roundup, February 26th and 27th. It's going to be a great event. And again, how can folks, you have a website? What is well, that address? I don't actually have an active website anymore. I've got three or four Facebook pages and I've, I'm on Instagram and I've got a YouTube Two, I think there's three YouTubes. I have a publicist and she does way more of that than I do. <laughs> I show up and talk. That's what I like to do. But uh, you can find me really easy. If you Google me, one of the funny things ever now and then I have to Google myself just to check it out. But one of the funniest things I, I ever see on the internet, watch Jackie Bibby's net worth. Check it out, but rest assured, it's not right. It's wrong. I'm not worth near that much. I wish I was. <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad to see also that Diablo Blanco is living on in a in a, a wonderful article that you can yeah, enjoy he's, every he's day. In addition to my to my uh, costume, I guess you'd say. Well, it's a delight. Thank you so much, Jackie. Y'all come out and see us. Oglesby Rattlesnake Roundup. 26th and 27th, we'll be having a great time. Be there, be square. Bye-bye. Central Texas Living is part of the Rogue Media Network family. Be sure to check out their other shows at roguemedianetwork.com. Please rate us five stars on iTunes and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Join us again soon for more Central Texas Living, the podcast. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.